0: As you know, we've been preaching through the book of Matthew in the first service and in the second service touching on the book of John uh, as a revelation of Jesus Christ. So the title of this sermon is Divinely Appointed for Glory Works. And every time you think about a title, uh, I'm looking at a whole passage and ask myself, what is the main crux of this passage? And I realize This is the main thing Jesus wanted us to understand from this passage, that all of us have been divinely appointed for glory works. Let us go into the Word in John chapter 9, verse 1. And as Jesus passed by, He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And His disciples asked Him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, that was a very good question. It's a theological question. What made this man blind? So for them, it must be sin. Sin has its consequences. And it's not wrong to think that way. Sin do have consequences. You may not see it immediately, but sin will find you out. It will have consequences. So they said, who sinned? This man sinned or his parents sinned? Jesus did not say they are wrong. Just that in this case, it is something different. So their theology of sin ultimately creating problems is correct. And, and that is why when you do your bell with people here, we teach your bell. One of the things that we do is to trace your generations as the Holy Spirit will reveal, because oftentimes it's because of what has been passed down as curses that affected you, because of the sin of the past that you are affected. And blessings and curses operate this way. Blessings would continue through the generations until stopped by sin. That means you can come from a line of very, very righteous, holy preachers as your father and grandfather, and there's a blessing, a great blessing on it. But in your generation, if you sinned, uh, those blessings will begin to stop. Even though there's an avalanche of it, that you may still continue to be blessed. For example, David. How do you know that the Lord said, because of David, I will not punish this generation yet. So because of the righteous deeds of David, his... Uh, the, the descendants of David, continue to be blessed. However, there comes a time when God delivered them into the enemy because uh, their sins uh, are piling up so much. So recognize this. So as p- if your parents here, how many are parents here? Good. Recognize that what you do in your life affects your children. They are blessed because of what you have done. Also, not just in the physical realm, in a spiritual realm. That means if I have spiritual children, meaning I, I win them to the Lord, I disciple them, they too will be blessed because of this blessing in our lives. In the same way, I take it very seriously here in this church concerning the pastors. We recognize that we are your covering under the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we do is very critical. see, if the pastors of a church walk in sin wow, the covering is wide open. You are exposed. So this is, for us, this is serious business. First, first rule of the day in the church is the covering must be good. And it is required of every leader here to walk closely with the Lord, beginning with the pastors. Amen. That is something we take very seriously because we understand the spiritual consequences of this. Okay. And then in, you know, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. It is an often quoted scripture, but many people don't realize the second part of this verse in terms of coming short of the glory of God. What happens when, we, when a person sin? You know, we are spirit, soul, and body. When Adam sinned, what happened to his spirit? His spirit begins to be darkened. It begins to fall asleep. It begins to, to, to slowly die. So, where actually it was supposed to be nourished by the river of God, now the river is not flowing. And so, if the river is not flowing, you cannot change your soul, you cannot change your body too much. You see, originally, let me ask you, was Adam created to die? No. Why is that so? Because he, his spirit is alive and in intimacy with God, and the life of God keeps flowing into a Spirit that nourishes His soul and begins to restore His body. So He wasn't created to die. But because what happened in the Spirit, He first died in the Spirit, and therefore ultimately the body will die. But there comes a day in, when Jesus comes back, All of us will have a resurrected body and that body will never die because then we're in constant flow of the river of God. In fact, it is amazing. I believe the body that we have at a time of Jesus' second coming is better than the body that Adam had. Are you hearing me? You seem so excited about this. I said, the body that you're going to have is even better than the body that Adam had. It's a resurrected body. You know, church, this is what we're looking for. I, I want us to be very realistic. You know, when you live long enough, you start to see some of your friends dying. <laughs> You, you see them obituary. Of course, recently I saw my friend, but he's much older, he's 81 years old, a very renowned architect in Singapore. Uh, he just passed away. Then I saw a young person, who's not my friend, in the 30s, had cancer and died. He's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a friend of my, fr- of my good friend, and, and he died. Uh, I've seen different ones. The reality is, this body would ultimately die. No, no one wants to say amen, huh? <laughs> That's the truth. It's appointed unto man wants to die. After that, the judgment. Okay, so this body will die, and I don't care how much vitamins you you put in your body. Uh, you know, you know. So I I am praying for next seven to ten years at most. I say God. I really want to run with peak condition in the next seven to ten years because I believe that this is our greatest time. Uh, I, I don't want to to live to my 80s and struggle with my health, you know, and, and try to survive. Uh, I said, God, I'd rather be with you in glory. But I know, because I study end times very thoroughly, uh, I know this next seven years will be very important for the church. And I said, God, sustain this body so that I can run the, uh, uh, at a peak level with you. Uh, I, I thank God. I enjoyed great health my entire life. Uh, I was sharing with people. I was. I never stayed in the hospital overnight, uh, except once because to claim insurance. You have, you know insurance schemes? You see, outpatient, only claim 20%. If you're inpatient, you claim 100%. I said, no choice. My insurance dictates that I need to stay in there. I just did a very, very minor, minor scope thing on my knees. That's about it, you know. Uh, but thank God. Uh, I monitor my, my, heart, my blood pressure, everything. Uh, I want to make sure that I can run with the Lord. The, the best years of our life is ahead of us. So sin has its consequences. So when you're, when you're walking in righteousness with the Lord, how many you know you remove one important problem, health problems due to sin? Amen? Walking in righteousness has powerful implications in our body. And it is true that sin, say if you if you have a sin of unforgiveness, bitterness in your heart. You know, even your internal bones and all that begin to be weakened because of a spiritual problem. In fact, doctors these days have this terminology called psychosomatic illnesses. See, a lot of illnesses that people suffer from are psychosomatic. It's due to what happens in the spirit and soul. But some of them don't have enough revelation to look at the spirit. They only know the soul. That if your soul is bitter, you are, you have a lot of unforgiveness, a lot of anger in your life, you create hypertension problems, you create all kinds of problems in your life. Of course, you open the door to the devil in your life, you will also have sicknesses. Very easily. So if you're walking, walking in righteousness before God, praise the Lord, you should enjoy good health. Generally, it will be true. And this is very much seen here in this scripture. So John chapter 9, verse 3, Jesus said, Neither have this man sinned, nor his parents. So he said, in this case of the man born blind, it's not because of the sin of this man or his parents. We know we live in a fallen world. We'll eat fallen things. <laughs> how, I don't know how organic vegetables, I, I like to prefer to eat organic vegetables. But they say they did a survey about supermarkets in many countries, including Thailand. He says that a lot of things labeled organic are not really organic and they they still contain chemicals. So in one sense, the system, the fallen system of the world has impact against us. Air pollution, all kinds will impact us and our health can be affected. But in this case, Jesus did not say it was a direct sin of the man or the family. Uh, He did not give a reason for that. He simply said this but that the works of God should be made manifest in Him. That is a profound answer. You mean to say, you mean to say, Lord, there are people out there waiting for a divine appointment with You. Are you hearing me? That will change their lives, that the glory of God shall be made manifest in their lives. It means they are waiting to be healed. Waiting to be restored. How many of your friends, the people you know, are waiting for an appointment with God where His glory will be seen in their lives? Think about that. How many? Wow. That hit me hard because if I ask ourselves, in Thailand, God, 69 million people how many of them are waiting for an encounter with you where you are going to be glorified? Then the next question to hit you is, how many of these 69 million people that the Lord has assigned that to you? How many did God assign that to you? See, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, we should walk in them. Look at this say. There are 69 million people waiting for a miracle in their lives. Waiting for the glory of God to be manifest because of an encounter they will have with God. At the same time, we have 500,000 Christians, a bit more, in Thailand. God says, you are my workmanship created in me for good works, which God had already prepared for you. That means on the pathway, see, this is the path that God will cause you to walk. God is saying, I have already ordained good works in your life. Did we miss our good works? If God had ordained 100 good works in your life that you will see happen, ask yourself, how many of those good works you will accomplish? Think about that. What happens if you meet Jesus? Jesus says, "I have ordained a hundred good works, but bro, you only did three. Can you imagine that? Is it possible that Christians who have been ordained for good works only accomplish a fraction of that? Is it possible? Amen? <laughs> it's very possible. And, th- and this message is to wake us up. There is a miracle waiting. In, in Singapore, you know, I travel using Grab. I call Grab, or I use- sometimes I can use public transport if it's faster. And um, I like to talk to Grab drivers. They're they actually very qualified people. Many of them are graduates the, because of the economy in the world and in Singapore. Uh, some of them are affected, are retrenched, and they don't have an immediate job. They, or some of them drive part-time, uh, grab to earn more money. And I like to talk to them. Uh, and this guy, he, I was talking with him. I was talking to him. I said, you know, everything that is happening, he said many things happen. I said, do you know they're all prophesied in the Bible? And, and then he opened his eyes and began to realize uh, uh, it's true, you know. I say, it's in the Bible. It's prophesied. And there is a destination. God is bringing us to a conclusion and we are going there. Of course, before that, many things will happen. Uh, To cut a long story short, before our trip is over, I prayed with him to receive Jesus Christ into his life. I believe he was ordained by God to meet me. And that was ordained by God for me as the works Can you imagine if I don't care about him, I just do my work (laughs) and I don't want to talk to him? I may miss what God has ordained for me. And so I I got his name. I texted my friend because I realized his wife has been a Christian for a long time in a church that my friend is. So I got his name. I said, okay, uh, this guy just got saved. Please ask his wife in this Chinese ministry in the church to contact the the pastor to contact him. You know, I, I followed through with that. These are the good works. In this instance, this blind man met Jesus, and the only reason, Jesus said, is so that the glory of God be made manifest in and through his life. Every day we pray, God, show me the divine appointments, and God can connect me. I I marvel at how God connected me with different people around the world, and and it's divine connection and for the works that God has prepared for us to do. Hallelujah. Like I was praying to somebody here. He said, okay, two weeks' time, I'm going to London to do a one-year course. I said, great. Uh, 28th September, I want you to go to the church I'm preaching at, okay, in London. I'm connecting you with the church there, which I'm going to minister at. It's a wonderful church with young and old people. Uh, in a sense, it's a growing church, powerfully growing church in Chinatown, a great area. Chinatown is next to the theatres. They have bought a building worth 2.5 million pounds, uh, a church building used to be used by another church, but now they sold that building to them. It's a powerful. Gr- I like to pour into this church and see that this church be part of a network that I'm going to set up in London for the works of the kingdom. So God is setting up all kinds of connections for us to be strategic, and London is a strategic place in the world. The Brexit is no no accident. So when I when I look at my life, I say, "God, this is exciting." You know, my daughter, a lawyer, she said to me, "Dad, your life is so exciting, more exciting than my life." <laughs> she said. <laughs> I didn't say come to the into the ministry. No, no. I didn't say that. To her. <laughs> There's a calling for everyone, you know, and she wants to start a new group with the young adults and all that. So I'm excited for her. But we all must recognize what God has called us to. We all have been called, just as Jesus was called. Uh, We're being shaped for good works. I was talking to a group of men for 20 minutes just outside uh, before the service and and to share with them, men, I need you to rise up to lead. We want to train you, equip you. This is not a church where after 10 years, oh, so good to see you faithfully attending 10 years. No, 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 no. We want to see you train, equip and lead other people. I don't want to train you to be dependent on me. I want to train you to be dependent on God and to lead other men and women. Amen? I don't need to be needed. Are you hearing me? I don't need to be needed. But it feels good to be needed now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking, talking about. I'm not trying to create a church where, oh, people need me. I feel so good that they need me. No. No. This is not the kind of church in the end times. The end time church is an overcoming church. It's a church of great works that God wants to do through you. And we want to equip you for that. This is your destiny. I'm, you're not here to help me fulfill my destiny. I'm here to help you fulfill your destiny. So that when you meet Jesus, you can say, Lord... I was equipped in the church to do the glorious works you have assigned to me. Hallelujah. And uh, if you don't attend training, eh, don't tell Jesus we didn't train you, okay? Like this afternoon we are training, Saturday we are training, so that you can fulfill your destiny, amen? So, creation... It's waiting for the sons of God. Romans eight nineteen says, for the earnest expectation of the creature waited for the manifestation of the sons of God. You know, this is a, a verse I meditate for 20 years. 20 years ago, we don't have such revelation on sonship and father heart. Today, we understood that very clearly that all of us, God is raising up, not as slaves, not as servants, but as sons. Servants work for a salary. Sons have an inheritance. And all of us here, we have an inheritance. God has prepared your inheritance and is shaping you to inherit that inheritance. Thailand is our inheritance. A transformed Thailand is our inheritance together. Amen? We want to see Thailand change for His glory. And that's why sons must be raised up. I was talking to my friend, I told you before, I think in the first service a long time ago, I said that my friend visited Indochina. And she said to me, the, the greatest need in Hindu China amongst the Christians is identity. They don't know who they are. And I think that's very true. You see, if you really know who you are, you will be so victorious. Why is it so that in Saul's army, none of them dared to face Goliath? Including Saul himself, who, who just stayed back at the palace, hoping that some miracle may happen. But let me tell you, miracles happen when sons rise up. Are you hearing me? Miracles happen when sons rise up. And there was a son called David. And he arose and he said, Goliath, who do you think you are? How dare you uncircumcised Philistine, means you have no covenant with God, dare to challenge the armies of the living God. You are in trouble. We are not in trouble. You are in trouble. And based on his declaration, Goliath was slain because he knew his identity. When you know who you are, you do great exploits. You know who you are when you know who God is. You you know God not just as a distant God, but as a father. So when you know God as a Father, you know who you really are as His beloved Son, you will do great things. So every one of us, Sonship, we emphasize very strongly. Walk in Sonship. Creation is waiting for that to happen right now. Hallelujah. 1 John 3, eight. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested. Why? That he might destroy the works of the devil. (laughs) Jesus was very clear. John understood Jesus. Why he showed up is to destroy the works of the devil. He was the example for us. Jesus is the Son of God. He's the firstborn. All of us are sons after Jesus. Amen? And what do we do? Destroy the works of the devil. We don't have to tolerate... What is happening to Thailand? For example, in Pattaya, why did we plant a church in Pattaya? Because we want to see Pattaya change. And, and we are looking at and a total solution to Pattaya. Meaning to say, I don't just want to win people from, for example, people in the sex industry. Winning them only, but not retraining them, is not complete. So, we are, we are in a process of launching something in Pattaya, where... People out there, we want to retrain them with a new skill, okay? And then have businesses that will employ them and multiply those businesses so that they, 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 can, they can have a new identity in the Lord and have a new expression. We need a total solution. I hate to see ministries going to Patia, rescuing the girls, showing their pictures on Facebook. Six months later, these girls go back to the sex industry. I think that's evil. I think that's evil. And then you raise money to do the ministry that way. No, no, no. The church must be systemic in our solution. Because the gospel would lift the people out from their spiritual poverty and their economic poverty too. Amen? So we are, we are looking at some successful business to do in part here to do that as a, as a, as a, 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 a pilot thing. And we want to do that. So if you're interested, you come and talk to us. Uh, but we examine the business model first before we, we um, implement them. Uh, and, and thank God, uh, I'm trained in business. I've done business uh, in financial arena. I, uh, I, can, I can look at balance sheets. I can look at cash flow. I know what it means to, to run a good business. And we have experts in the church as well working together. We, we want to offer holistic solutions as sons of God and I want to say to you I want you to be involved in all these solutions you are part of the solution I like what was it Rambo who said to, to this guy who was killing people you are the you are the problem I am the solution and he bam he got rid of the guy you know many people can talk about the problems in Thailand but are you the solution The church must be the solution. We cannot keep saying, oh, the government should do this. The church needs to be involved. We need to organize ourselves to penetrate communities and turn people's lives around by the power of the name of Jesus. Amen? So I'm excited about this, about training men and women. I'm excited about penetrating communities right now. I felt that we have finally gotten our DNA together and we want to multiply this DNA. Hallelujah. That our teams can continue to expand and grow in that manner. So destroy the works of the devil. John 9 verse 3 says, Neither have this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. People are waiting. their problems waiting for sons to solve. So let's stop looking at who to blame. Let's stop, start looking at how can we solve problems. How can we solve problems? You know, there was a comedian in the U.S., I was watching him because he acted in, in the movie Crazy Rich Asians. I think Ronnie Chang was his name. He was just kind of joking in America. He, he's a Chinese from Malaysia and uh, he's in, in America as a, as a very well-known comedian. So he said to America, America, you need a Chinese president. He said that to America in a, in, a, in, a com- in a comedy show. You need a Chinese president. You know, Chinese people, we, we are colorblind. I don't care whether you're black, white, or whatever. You know, you guys are fighting whether you're black, white, racist, and all that. We only look at problems and we solve them. So, so, that's what the Chinese... And, and it struck me. For, for a, a guy like this in America saying this, you need a Chinese president. We just solve problems. In one sense, Jesus Christ in us. Is the greatest problem solver in the world. Amen. Let's look at what problems we have in Thailand and let's solve them. One by one. (laughs) Of course, with so much multiplied talents here, we can do many things at the same time. In verse 4, it says, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. This is a powerful verse. Jesus recognized the window of opportunity. And I tell you, we must recognize that. You know, after the World War in Japan, there was a window. You know, Japan was so proud, right? They were conquering everybody in the world. And they were going to conquer the world. It It even attacked Pearl Harbor. And, and bombed out those people there. It, and America suffered one of the worst uh, uh, attacks in the world, in the history. Pearl Harbor was a shame for America. Have you, you, you anyone been to Pearl Harbor, Hawaii, to look at the, 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 the history? And then, As I walked through Pearl Harbor and looked at what happened, I said, wow, the American troops were too proud they were sleeping. And a, a, a pre-dawn attack took them by surprise. And they lost so many men. And then, of course, the bombings of Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which, which kind of stopped the war. But do you know that Ka- uh, Hiroshima, Kawasa, Kawasaki, right? Kawasaki was actually having a revival there, the church. For whatever reason, you know, I was talking to James about this and all that. Somehow the bomb wasn't planned for Kawasaki. It was planned for another place. But somehow last minute, there was a change and the bomb landed in Kawasaki and many Christians were killed. As I look at history, I say, wow, the enemy was at work. The enemy may have confused those guys who were preparing the bomb out uh, and they chose the place, but the enemy redirected them and it bombed Kawasaki out, killed the revival in Kawasaki. Nagasaki, sorry, not Kawasaki. Somebody correct me. Come on, <laughs> Nagasaki, not Kawasaki. <laughs> Kawasaki is a brand of a motorcycle, right? Nagasaki, Hallelujah. <laughs> so my point is, right after the war, Japan was humble, and it was a window of opportunity that missionaries could have gone in, and and really because you see, the the the, the, Jap- the Japanese worship the sun god and actually part of the whole worship, but it was humble. And that was an opportunity. Missionaries could have gone in there 70 years ago and did the work. You see, hundreds of, hundreds of years ago, there was a massacre of Christians in, in Japan. So every time the, the, there's a revival happening, the devil raised his ugly head and killed them off. So it happened time and again. So there was an opportunity in 1945 but the church, in, the church at large didn't take advantage of that. But I was there one, two years ago in, in, um, in Okinawa and, and prayed, and we sensed God is going to do something for Japan. There must be repentance in, in, in the land of Japan. And God wants to do something in Thailand too. Some of you may be saying, Pastor, I've heard people say and prophesy, something's going to happen in Thailand. You say, when? <laughs> when? When? Hallelujah. Don't wait. The when is when you arise and do the works in this window of opportunity. We have a window. Ask ourselves. You know, in a few days' time, next next Saturday, I'm meeting my friend from Malaysia. Every year, he will go to Thailand and do an open-air crusade, okay? In different parts of Thailand. And I ask him, why did you come to Thailand? He says, Thailand is the best place for crusades. He can bring all his entire 60 trainees, you know, who is attending his, his school of Acts, and bring all of them here, expose them to evangelism, have open air crusade, talk to the mayor of the city, and they all welcome him. Which nation welcome you like that? To evangelize a nation. So, if you survey the nations right now, in many nations, the door is closing. China, China is saying that you cannot preach to the children. You cannot have Sunday school in the church. So we should have trained the children differently. If you know that that's going to happen, you should have trained all the children to be evangelists, right? (laughs) And they will preach to one another. So we must recognize, for Thailand is the best fertile ground for the harvest right now. Let us not miss. That's why uh, we, are, we are training people this afternoon for peace. Next week, we are training a power evangelism. Uh, Alan is going to be here with us in, in Toonbury. And then in Look. I'll be going to Look too, in a new place called Nakontai. And, and Nakontai is a place where people are hungry for God. They, they know there's going to be a breakout, kind of revival, if we want to be there. So we are going to Nakontai. And the pastors are ready for us in Pisanalok. So you can be part of that and more. We are looking at strategic places. For example, from here, Bangkok, all the way to Chonburi, to Patia. We know that the country's planning is for this whole area to be an economic belt, a free trade zone. And we want to establish our churches strong all across this whole eastern region. Amen? We want to be strategic about all that God wants to do. This is a great window for Thailand. Hallelujah. You know, John 9 verse 6 says, When he had spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, and said to him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way therefore and washed and came back seeing. How many of you read this verse, you look at Jesus, Jesus, you could just speak the word, it is done. (laughs) Why go through all the trouble? Have you ever wondered? But if you read the story more clearly, you know, Jesus transformed this blind man to become a walking testimony. Can you imagine? Huh. He put the spittle with the mud put on his eyes and this blind man walked all the way to the Siloam. People can see him, right? Blind, to the pool, washed. Oh, you can see! And he walked back, everybody could see he was seeing. Wow, Jesus was very brilliant. He made him a walking testimony. Everybody could see he was blind on the way to the pool. And everybody could see he was healed on his way back. Amazing. Jesus is brilliant. So when you are out there ministering to the lost, be led by the Holy Spirit. And this is our first thing we emphasize. Be led by the Holy Spirit. We train you in prophetic evangelism, we train you in power evangelism. We train you in proclamational evangelism or presence evangelism. And then the last thing I want to train is present truth apocalyptic evangelism. Wow. Big words, right? Present truth apocalyptic evangelism. Do you know it's never found? You can't, if you search internet, you can't find it. Only offered in living streams, huh? <laughs> Special recipe for success. <laughs> Amen. I will tell you what it is. Present truth apocalyptic evangelism. You're on top of the four Ps, the five P. okay? We want to train you to be effective. You know, even though directly I'm not an evangelist, but I do the work of an evangelist, okay? Every time I have a chance, I will evangelize. I will. <laughs> so, just that, just that I, the Lord did not give me a supernatural ability to speak Thai, you know? I was waiting for that, you know. Uh, but in elsewhere, I would talk to anybody and win them to the Lord and lead them as the Lord would say to me. Amen. But language is not a limitation. All of you are the ones being sent out here. So Jesus was brilliant. In verse 11, He says, He answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay, anointed my eyes, and said unto me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. I went and washed, and I received sight. How was testimony? 32 words only. 32 words this man spoke his testimony and people were astounded. We want to train everybody to give a good testimony. Now, testimonies are very powerful. Every one of us, before you learn to preach, I need you to learn how to share your testimony effectively. Don't be too long-winded, okay? Don't to tell from the beginning, in the beginning or... 32 words, this guy testified, hallelujah. And people were stirred. They say, oh, and they have to, have to they, they must respond. See, when you testify, it forces people to respond. They either have to believe God or they have to reject. And this is what Jesus is after. Jesus is after a response Whatever response that might be, of course, hopefully, prayerfully, that would be a passive response. But he's forcing people to respond. In verse 16, then said some of the Pharisees, This man is not of God, because he keepeth not the Sabbath day. Others said, How can a man that is a sinner do such miracles? And there was a division among them. The religious spirit is divisive. And I, the Lord is speaking to me about Thailand. He said to me, it's not the Gentiles, it's not the non-Christians that's a a problem here. We have a religious spirit that is stopping the church from fully becoming the church it should be. Jesus' main problem wasn't with the non-Christians. His main problem were with the Jewish religious leaders who always opposed Him because they were captivated, they were captured by a religious spirit. Now what is a religious spirit? A religious spirit is not a holy spirit. It's a demon spirit. Are you hearing me? Just because it's called religious spirit, you think it sounds religious? No, it's not. It is a demon spirit. It's a demon spirit that keeps people, including Christians, to man-made traditions and stop them from having an intimate relationship with the Father. That's a religious spirit. You, you abide with traditions, but it doesn't draw you closer to God. In fact, every miracle that Jesus did, the Pharisees would say, no, this guy is not from God. In fact, it blinds you. You cannot see God because you're bound by your human traditions. That's a demonic spirit we call a religious spirit. And this is dominant in Thailand. Thailand. And we are always facing this. When we go to Chiang Mai, it's very clear. Religious spirit. I was ministering to somebody in in Bangkok from Chiang Mai. This person attended church for years. And I can tell you, this couple, by the grace of God, I walked them through areas where the demonic has a presence in their lives broke that away from them and their sickness left them totally. Their sickness was due to all these things. The dark side. And you can be part of a church system and yet be very religious. So you are robbed of the power of God. See, the, the, the scribes and Pharisees could not accept the power of God. What they are more concerned is our traditions. As they interpreted, oh Jesus, you cannot do this. You broke the Sabbath. They can't see the healing. Can't they see that a blind man was healed? They were too blind to see. <laughs> That's the irony of it. They cannot see because they are blinded by the religious spirit. And this is something in Thailand we have to be aware of and we will overcome in the mighty name of Jesus, as Jesus did. Hallelujah. Religious spirit caused division. And, and this is where, you know, the Lord really uh, spoke to me two Tuesdays ago and said, speak about love. Because as we are moving more and more, become prophetic. The Lord says the religious spirit, if it cannot stop you, He wants to corrupt the prophetic. Can you imagine if all of us become more and more prophetic and more religious? More judgmental, more legalistic. You know, without the prophetic, you're judgmental. That's one level. If you're prophetic and you're judgmental, because you say, I discern you have this problem, and then you judge, and you judge, and everyone judges one another in the church according to the flesh, what happens? The church is divided. Jesus says we judge, but not according to the flesh in the Spirit. But all the same, we must have love in our hearts. And I realized why. You know, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 14, why did Paul emphasize love? At the same time, he said, covered for the gifts, especially what? Prophecy. And he has got to undergird that with love because if you are prophetic without love, you see the man over there, In a vision, I saw you last night entering a certain place. You you started. And the name of the place, you see, very prophetic, right? People will say, "Oh, pastor, very sharp now." But what I'll destroy that person because no love. So we want to be prophetic, but full of love, amen. We want to restore, not tear down. So every gift of God can be abused wrongly used because of a lack of love. So we, we really say, God, fill everyone with a supernatural dosage of love. Now, love is not a gift. We are commanded to love. We are commanded to receive love from our Father. And we operate the gifts using love. Amen? So in all gifts, that must be a key thing to recognize. Verse 22 this word spake his parents, because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. What is this control? The religious spirit says, anyone who thinks who say Jesus is Christ, you are banned. You're excommunicated from a synagogue. That's religious control. And it's still in operation in the modern world today. All that Jesus had gone through was an example for us to recognize the religious spirits and how to counter them. In fact, a religious spirit is very controlling and it will persecute kingdom prophetic people. Recognize that, okay? Now, who who was persecuting Elijah? Jezebel. Jezebel worships Ashtoreth and Baal. She was very spiritual, And she was persecuting. And and when you have a spirit of control, you are also affected by the Jezebelic spirit too. So a religious spirit and a Jezebelic spirit often work together to kill the life of Christians. In the name of Jesus, we have announced and proclaimed, Jezebelic spirits, religious spirits, you're not welcome in living streams, amen? You're not welcome at all. In Jesus' mighty name, we cast you out so that none of our people are affected by that because it will kill your life. It will kill people. In verse 25, he answered and said, Whether he be a sinner or no, I know not. One thing I know, that whereas I was blind, now I see. I like this guy's testimony. He, he, he says, I don't care about the garbage you guys, are, ing- all this chatter. All I know is one thing, one thing, one thing. I was blind but now I see. This man must be from God. Hallelujah. This is a testimony. I can't explain everything. You guys, you guys uh, confuse me with your religious jargon. All I know is that I was blind but now I see. <laughs> Very clear. Powerful testimony. Hallelujah. Don't complicate the, serious, the, the simple things in life. And not only did religious spirit prevent true hearing, in John nine twenty seven, he answered them, I have told you already, this band who got healed told them, I have told you already, and you did not hear. Now he's preaching. This is amazing. This former blind man is preaching. I have told you already, but you did not hear. Wherefore, would you hear it again? You want to preach again? Will you also be his disciples? <laughs> it's so funny. You want me to say, tell you all over again how he healed me? You want to be his disciples? He was so sarcastic, you know. He's so smart. This blind man is so brilliant. God used him to challenge the, 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 the really blind. You see, this story is about what? About who is truly blind. You know who is truly blind? He's not a blind man. Who is truly blind are the Pharisees. People with religious spirits are truly blind. Are you hearing me? You can be in the church for many years. If you're affected by a religious spirit, you are blind. You are blind to what God is doing in Thailand. And all your concern is to preserve the traditions of yesterday. If we continue to do that, we are stopping the move of God. How many know God wants to move in Thailand powerfully? Who is stopping his move? Non-Christians? No, they, they welcome the message of the kingdom. Non-Christians welcome the message. The people who want to stop the move of God are not the non-Christians. They are very often the religious people who, like the Pharisees and the scribes who are blinded by the legalistic spirit. So understand what we face. Understand that God is calling us to ignite a movement in Thailand. I'm serious about this. A movement. We are committed to preaching the gospel. Totally. You see. The moment, I do not love the Thai people, no want to see them saved. Why should I still be here? God might as well send me somewhere else, right? But I'm committed to seeing Thai people, people in Thailand, because not everyone in Thailand are Thai people, but both. To be saved, to enter the kingdom and to see Thailand transformed. Because I believe God is going to transform Thailand. And God is going to use all of us. I'm committed to that. If, if I don't have that revelation, what's the difference? I stay back in Singapore. I go London. I can go many other places, right? I can plant a church in Hong Kong now. Why not? Do you know they need to hear the, the gospel of the kingdom in Hong Kong? What are they fighting for? They're fighting for human freedoms. You know they're fleeting. You know, even if even, you even know your Bible, you know one day the, the, there's a one world government, right? So don't worry about China. <laughs> there's a one world government. It wants to control everybody. So when you have the Bible and you know prophetic revelation, you are not sidetracked by these things. I'm not saying the protesters are wrong or the government is right or whatever. Whatever. Uh, I just marvel at the fact that Carrie Lam took so long just to... Now, okay, we will withdraw the bill. Why didn't you do it two months ago? <laughs> I mean, if I'm a advisor to her, I say, why didn't you do it two months ago? Be humble. Two months of violence. And now you say, I'll withdraw. It's a bit... They say it's a bit li- too little, too late. The, you see, you open the door to the demonic stir. In Hong Kong, you open the door. As as a leader, we we need to pray for governmental leaders because if they do things without wisdom, they create problems, big problems for the nation. And we must pray for Hong Kong. Hong Kong plays a very important... You see, they are part of China, but they have freedom of, of, of preaching the gospel. We want to pray that Hong Kong will always have the freedom because a lot of Chinese come out to Hong Kong, we can evangelize them. Just like I, I'm keen with my friend in London because he says very often people from China just walk into his church, you know. Because he's the only church in Chinatown. Ah, he's got English service, Mandarin service, Cantonese service. And I want to train all of them. This is an exciting work. You see, He told me last time, Shall we plant a church in Hong Kong together? You and I, together. <laughs> you see, you're apostle, prophet, I'm evangelist. Let's do it together. You know, I'm, I'm very tempted, you know. <laughs> because he's a, he's a great pastor. Bobby is his name. You know, when he first began in Chinatown, he put a chair in Chinatown. He says, anyone who wants to be healed, sit on this chair. Wow, I like that kind of spirit, man. I know, I like to partner with people like that who's not afraid. They're not afraid of religion, not afraid of religious people. They just want the kingdom established. And you know, Chinatown is very strategic in London. It's next to all the high-end, high so theatres. You go and watch all the best uh, 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 plays and, and, all, and musicals and all that. It's, it's a key place. Yeah, good food there too. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, I won't I want to distract you here. Okay. So, this guy was preaching to them. In verse 32, Since the world began, was it not heard that any man opened the eyes of one that was blind? If this man were not of God, he could do nothing. So the people were telling the scribes, Can't you see? When have we seen a blind man healed? Of course, Jesus is from God. Otherwise, he could do nothing. Amen? And yet, despite the preaching of the common people, despite the preaching of the blind man, they remained blind. In verse 37, Then the blind man came back to Jesus. Jesus said unto him, Thou hast both seen him, and it is he that is talking with you. And, he sa- and the blind man said to Jesus, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped Jesus. Wow, this blind man was healed not just of his physical blindness. His spiritual eyes were open. He could see who Jesus was. And his right response was to worship Him, amen? Worship Him. There are many, many blind people in Thailand, spiritually blind especially, who will worship Jesus when they are encounter with a great glorious work that God will call you to do. See, how did Jesus win His blind man? Healing Him. A miraculous work. I believe in miracles. We're walking in the miracle of God. And every one of you, every one of us here, you are called to demonstrate God's miracle. Because how can you convince a blind man except to make him see physically first and then spiritually? And his eyes were opened and now he sees John 9.39, and Jesus said, For judgment I am come into this world, that they which see not might see, and they which see might be made blind. Those who see not might see, sorry. That means those who cannot see will now see, and those who thought they see now are made blind. What is he saying? He's saying the religious spirit has caused so many to be blind. The scribes and the Pharisees, they were so blind but the blind man instead, who is physically blind, is now seeing. The final verse, John 9, 40. This is hilarious. And some of the Pharisees which were with him heard this verse and, and said unto him, Are we blind also? <laughs> this, this, <laughs> can you imagine? It's like being set up, you know, you set yourself up, you know. You know, in volleyball, I used to play competitive volleyball. You know, out of a six in the team, there's one important person called a setter. The setter will set the ball and then we spike. Okay, so I, I'm a spiker. So, <laughs> these Pharisees have set themselves up to be spiked. <laughs> they say, are we blind also? So, Jesus said unto them, very smart, if you were blind... You should have no sin. But now you say you see, therefore your sin remains. What is Jesus saying? You are saying you can see, okay? Now if you are truly spiritually blind, then you missed it. I can, I can tell you, I can open your eyes. But if you say you can see and yet you cannot see what God is doing, you are truly blind and your sin remains with you they actually slap their own faces. I love the way Jesus evangelised. So brilliant. (laughs) He made people slap their own faces. All these Pharisees and and all that. And of course, amongst the Pharisees, there's the Nicodemus who, who, who could see. But most of them could not see. Do you want to remain blind? The greatest deception is when people who are blind think they can see. That's the greatest deception. If you are blind and you know you are blind, it's okay. But if you are blind but you think you can see, (laughs) you are truly blind. And that happens to people affected by the religious spirit. They thought they can see. Like, remember Saul? Saul was persecuting the church, right? He's a a Pharisee of Pharisees. Was he blind or could he see? He was blind. He was so blind. He was so fervent in persecuting the church because he thought that was against God. And so he went all out to kill the the, the church people. But he was so blind. And that is why, remember, on the road to Damascus, how did God show Saul he was so blind? Spiritually. By making him blind physically. See, God has a sense of humour. You know, this, this, this Saul, he's so hard-headed. He thinks he knows everything. He thinks he can see spiritually. He thinks he's so right spiritually. I'll make him physical blind. Just to show him how blind he was. There are many religious people that need to repent because religious spirit blinds you. And you always think you are right. You keep thinking you are right. How many met people like this? They always think they are right. But actually they are so wrong spiritually. Pray for them. Break the blindness out of them. And in, this, in, a, in a whole Christian circle, we need to see eyes which are blind to be open right now. What is the key here? God is sending you and I to open blind eyes. How? Doing the glory works He has appointed you and I to do that only you can do. I don't have your friends. I don't work in your place. God has ordained people, your family, that you will bring them to an encounter with Jesus. I can't. I can only equip you. You have your sphere of authority and responsibility. And every one of us, listen, we are not here, we are not happy to see people coming faithfully to church because you are the church actually. What we want to see every one of us trained to fulfill the good works that God has called you to do. Can you say amen to that? Let us pray, Father. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) I just sense the delight of the Father, even, even now. Wow. He loves this moment. He loves and enjoys this moment. Father, thank You for giving us revelation that we all understand what it means to be blind and what it means to see. And Lord, You're opening our eyes. Even right now, God is opening Your eyes to the people He has assigned to You, the good works You will demonstrate. We have been called to do good works. Every one of us, without exception, We are called. And this is an important moment for us to recognize. Jesus said, neither did this blind man sin, nor his family, nor his father. It's because he is there to show the mighty works of our Father. Lord, open our eyes that every one of us will see on the pathway of our lives there are people whom you have placed along that pathway who is ready for an encounter with you. They are ready. Let us be the mouthpiece. Let us be the bridge that bring them to you, Father. If you are running a company, begin to ask the Lord, how can I see the company, the people encountering Jesus? If you're in your employed in a, in a position in an office, ask God, how can, how can... I recognize the works that you want to manifest in the office in the workplace right now. Thank you, Jesus. Karamo koroma. How many will say to the Lord today, Lord? I recognize I am your workman. You are shaping this vessel to walk in the fullness of the glorious. Works you have prepared for all of us. And I don't want to say to you seriously what brings great joy to the Lord Jesus, what brings great joy to our hearts too, is to see every person in the church equipped and trained to be a nightmare for the kingdom of darkness to break the yoke in the lives of people and bring them into the kingdom of God. Every one of us. And, And I say this with a very sense of awareness of the window. Thailand, this is our window. This is our window. I've been here 10 years now. And I, tell, I can tell you, this is our window. And I'm committed, as committed as I'm now even more committed than before. What God wants to do in this nation will happen. And it begins with every one of us. There have been so much prayers, prophecies over this nation. Prophecies are invitations by God to participate in His grand plan. I want to be ready to be creative in preaching the gospel. And that is why we want to develop studios, we want to develop programs that will reach the non-Christians. We want to develop channels of truth for Christians around the world because as I look into the internet, there's so much garbage, so much deception and there's a famine of words and truth and we want to do that. We want to have a comprehensive training manual or manuals to raise up a new generation and God is helping us do that right now. All I can say to you is, we are destined for great things. Every one of you here, everyone watching us online, we are destined for great things. Hallelujah. We can make a powerful impact in Thailand and in the nations and this is our time so how many will say to the Lord today Lord I will commit to this I will commit to the good works the glorious works you have appointed for me I will commit to it and together as a a whole church we want to bring our talents and our gifts together for the extension of God's kingdom in Thailand. Your businesses, your professional skills, all of these things. We want you to, to be part of that great movement of God as we unite ourselves in the Lord together. Humbly will say to the Lord, yes, I want to commit to this. If you want to commit, stand to your feet right now and say, God, count me in. I want to, I want to be part of this. Yes, I want to be part of this. I can use my business skills for the kingdom. I can use whatever skills I have for the kingdom. This is this is what I want to do. And, and tell us. This is an altar call not, for, not just uh, right here. It's an altar call for you to respond and then for you to come to us and say, I have these skills and I want the Lord to use me in these skills. Come to us. Come to us. All of us have different skills. Some of you could be celebrities. Some of you, when you post something, a few thousand people like what you post. Use that for the kingdom because you know There are eternal rewards that God has prepared for you and I. And I I, want to put everything into this. I'm staking my all. I'm not putting several eggs in in a few baskets. I'm putting my eggs in this basket in Thailand. I said, God, Thailand and then the nations, we want to see transformed. So every one of us, Even as we worship the Lord, just with one song, I just want you to let the Lord interact with you. Let the Lord speak with you. And I hear the Lord say, birthing, birthing. You know, Pastor Mater had a dream about birthing. Um, He's behind. There's a dream about birthing. And, And this is the time. In every one of us, there's a dream waiting to be realised. There's a work, a story ready to be written about you. You know when God created you and I, He wrote a book, right? How many know that? Psalm 139. But did you know, right now you and I have the opportunity to write the book about what God will do through us. How will that book look like? Our best years are just ahead of us. Right now. I can speak on this with 100% conviction. My best years are just ahead of me. Your best years are just ahead of you. I'm excited about tomorrow. I like waking up every morning because it's a great new day. God is doing new things in my life. God is showing me new things. Hallelujah. There are books to be written about your life. There are manuals we want to put together. There are training resources we want to put together that will bless and impact the nations and build the Church of Jesus Christ across the nations. Hallelujah.